Hello and welcome to the Impact Podcast from us at Impact Wales. We're Finn and Jane and every week we'll be bringing you lots of discussion, comments and opinion on everything research and education. We'll be talking professional learning, what's happening in the education world and everything in between to help you make a difference in your school. Hello Jane. Hello Finn, we're back. We are back. Yes, we are back. It's been what, three weeks? I feel like saying it's been three weeks since my last confession. Today, because we've got lots, lots and lots to talk about, but we're just going to preface the whole thing with saying that, like everyone listening, I suspect that everyone is feeling this shattered. Yeah, yeah. as we are. Yeah, we kind of we feel like we've hit a wall to a certain extent. Yeah. Before we go into that in any detail, um, I'd like to just say for those of you eagle-eyed people who see the little video that comes out on this you might notice that we've just changed the perspective slightly we've got a slightly different perspective we've reorganized our office yeah it's it's a little bit like it's not quite intuitive at the moment no no but we've we were having more uh face-to-face meetings in the office so we needed a proper table for face-to-face meetings our table what we needed to do reclaim our space okay normality so um, let's talk about our recent absence. I'm just going to kind of say what I need to say. That um, the thing with doing a podcast is that it's it, it's us. Yeah, it, it comes from within us. You you have to you have to share yourself. You have to be who you are. You have to you know if you're going to do a a, a really uh, a podcast that actually connects with other people. I mean, you could do a podcast where you just interview someone and. You know, you talk about the issues of the day and then you move on. But our podcast isn't that. It's, oh, sorry, my computer keeps on beeping at me. It's, um, it is about us. Yeah, it's not, it's not like we're talking to news, is it? No. It's about the personal side of us. Yeah. Well, well, we give our opinions. We, we share our thoughts. We, um, you know, share what's going on for us as a business, but also for us as individuals. And previous experiences as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it is. Whilst this isn't, you know, the, the Finn and Jane show, we have to give of ourselves in order to to do yeah. the podcast. And when things aren't going well for us personally, it becomes very, very difficult to to share yeah. that. And I think um, I have to say I'm not doing the podcast because I just couldn't talk because I have stuff going on in my life that is very difficult to deal with. It's not something I want to talk about, but it is something that is ongoing. It's not going away. So I'm just having to get on with I it. I think we've got to say though that, that through all the the issues that are going on in both of our mm. personal lives that we have to deal with and they're, they're both completely different mm. but they're both very similar in a mm. way that we are in the very fortunate position that we have each other to talk to yeah. and yeah. to you know to, to sound off on and, yeah. I, and I know there are lots of other people who might be listening to this podcast who haven't got that mm. or maybe need to find someone just to yeah. share that burden and to talk talk it through because I mean you know I've talked through lots of things with you yeah and I know you know yeah just go, no. not go there but it's yeah. just to offload and to share, it does it does make the situation that little bit easier to deal You're with? You're going to make me cry, Jane. No, don't, no, don't, don't, don't go that way. Okay. There you go. Anyway, yeah. so oh. events have been have been very difficult to deal with, and when you're going through trauma, it is very difficult to to be vulnerable. And yes, I think yeah, that you know we we recognise that we are vulnerable on this podcast. Yeah. We do put ourselves out there. We say things that maybe other people aren't prepared to say, yeah. and we. We often put ourselves in the firing line. I mean, there was a 
uh, moving on, there was um, on Twitter recently where, for those of you who listen to the podcast regularly, you might hear that we're doing a book with Bruce Robertson, which is uh, an absolute joy. It's It's been a fantastic project, still ongoing, still a little bit of work to do, but obviously we're in a position where we're able to share it a little bit more. And there was some very unkind, yeah, very, you know, it's, it, it felt very spiteful, spiteful yeah. yeah, some really unkind comments on Twitter that obviously were coming from a place of unhappiness themselves mm. or maybe possibly jealousy, I don't know, but it, it was... And it ended up being quite a pylon, and it was it was just really uncalled for. And when it was unnecessary, wasn't it? Totally unnecessary, and it was particularly difficult to deal with when we were already dealing with an awful lot in our private but lives. That's something that we've said about Twitter for a long time, isn't it? Mm. That people their persona on Twitter is very so could well is potentially very different to what it is if you meet them. You kind of hope it is, yeah. Would yeah, because you know the, the cruelty on on Twitter can be really awful. On the other side of that Twitter handle, there is a person, and I sometimes think, sitting on their yeah, own in the sofa yeah. in the home, worrying about you know other things, and then to it's see or hear that kind of spiteful, unpleasant, mm-hmm. cruel yeah. statement, it's really difficult. And I think that's made us really think about. I mean, there's the whole thing going on with Twitter at the moment with you know Elon Musk and what on earth is going on. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> um, it's that, you know, just, just taking social media for um, a, a point in case. Interesting, my my elder son said to me the other day, oh, Facebook's completely different. You know, you go on the, the Facebook feed and it, it's, you know, it's just full of rubbish. There's you, nobody posts anymore. And I was like, oh, my gosh, yes, that actually is what it's like. And I think with Twitter... Twitter has changed over time, and maybe we haven't recognised what the changes have been. You don't see it when you say so much no. involved in, in, in it. Do you need to step out and have a look from yeah. outside? So, well, it, we were just talking about this morning in our in our pre-podcast uh, coffee, coffee, hot chocolate. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. when we first went up on Twitter back in July of 2015, um, it was all about photographs and teachers sharing what they were doing yeah. in the classroom, and we have, I have on my phone, I have 107 people who I've set to, as soon as they tweet, it notifies me that they've tweeted because I'm interested yeah. in what they say and what they, where they're talking about. But of those 107 people, it's probably five to 10 mm. who are tweeting. Yeah. It's not that there are five to 10 who regularly tweet and then others tweet. It's literally that the other 90 mm. or the other 95, 96, they're just not tweeting at all. And I, I, I very rarely see teachers who are purely teachers, not doing some kind of consultancy work as well, just sharing what's going on in their classroom. It just doesn't that's seem like to be like that anymore. I think that's reflective of what's going on in the Yeah. Teachers yeah. are just too, far too busy. Yeah. Well, to, yeah. To be doing that. Well, this is it. We're in this situation. We're in this, this difficult time. You know, we've hit recession. We've got um, looming strikes for teachers and nurses and railway well, workers and all kinds. It's just basically, life is imploding. <laughs> yeah. Life as we know it is imploding. But before we move on to what we're actually going to talk about today, um, just just kind of one last thing. I think um, the world of education is is actually quite difficult to be in. Yeah. You know, especially if you are a middle aged woman. <laughs> I think we put ourselves in that. Yeah, we do. We do. But 
No, it's looking in from the outside. My um, Somebody I know, I won't say who, somebody I know, probably about five years ago, um, we were having a conversation about feminism and they just said to me, oh, feminism, that's not even needed anymore. Things are so, you know, yeah. they're, they're so equal now. And this was before the Me yeah. Too thing. And I was kind of, I just looked at him and I just said, what planet do you <laughs> live on? Absolutely not. You know, women are still um, discriminated yeah. against. Yeah. We still struggle to get our voices heard. And I think that, you know, when you think about the profession is 87% female, you know, how difficult we find it to get women to come on to talk to us about the work they're doing. You know, we've had lots and lots of guests, but more of them have been men than women, not because we haven't tried to get women yeah. on, it's because they just, they don't feel confident and comfortable about coming on a social media yeah. platform and talking about yeah. it because they will be attacked. I think that we do have find it for the podcast we do we do we do and we are extremely grateful yeah but as you said it is because things you know the 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 twitter spat at the weekend on pylon about our book was most definitely directed at us rather than the um bruce the the male (laughs) male author and it's i think people they do feel much more comfortable and confident saying some really vile things to women. I mean, female politicians. I think we are a bit of a, seen as an easier target because we're, we're down as impact and as an organisation, but forgetting that there are individuals and disabilities. Well, they're not stupid. I think if they thought about it at all, they'd realise that there are two people behind the screen, but, but you know. No, anyway. Okay, so let's draw a line and do all of that. Um, what we're actually talking about today is we're talking about success criteria and worked examples. And this all stems from a conversation that we had with somebody at our recent assessment progression and accountability events um, who had been tasked with creating success criteria for the purposes of pupil self-assessment. Been for a while though, mm-hmm. we've had conversations over the last couple of weeks because there was a thread on Twitter, and we and I think you, you did a there was a poll that we put out yeah. a couple yeah. of weeks ago about success It was something that was beginning to bubble, and we've had that conversation. I think it came mm-hmm. to a head last week, mm-hmm. and we both just sat there and looked at each other. I think yeah, we need to do a podcast on this because yeah. it's one of those things that we keep bouncing back and forth yeah. and can't quite yeah get okay. along. So kind of to, to step the history of it, you know, as a former English teacher secondary English teacher, um, success criteria are very much part of the English yeah. curriculum and it's it's something that has been used. And of course, when you think of uh, marking, marking essays, they're often against uh, success criteria in the form of narrative descriptors, you know, exam essays and all those kinds of things. And um, I, I can't remember using success criteria as part of my teaching um as, as, a, yeah. as a you know I can remember using them or, or having them provided for me and them using them but I can't remember using the kinds of success criteria that that we uh were talking about this, like, this like in the rubric That's yes the idea, you know this idea of a success criteria being well if you didn't quite hit the mark this is what it might look mm-hmm. like if you hit the mark this is what it looks like or if you've done better than that this is what it might look like we're not talking about the kind of success criteria that are sort of are a checklist for the teacher that that's something a little bit different yeah. and i think um bruce robertson 
going back to him, but he's he's got this really succinct um, definition of success criteria in his um, third book, The Teaching of Delusion 3, where he says, success criteria relate to the evidence you are looking for to determine if students have learned what you intended. And that feels like a, I, and I can remember doing that. Is that very clearly by the teacher? Yes. Yeah. And I can, I can totally understand that. It's like you, you set out for them to learn something, but you want to know well, when they've learned it, what might that look like? Mm. You know, what kind of evidence am I looking for? So it's a checklist for the teacher to think, have yeah. I done a good enough job or have they got what I wanted them to coming, do? Coming at this from a maths background, though, as a secondary maths teacher, I, I can't even remember mm. actually writing down key success criteria for what I was looking I knew intrinsically what mm. what it is I, that would be successful, but mm. I wouldn't use a rubric or anything like that. So this is something that I know we've had a conversation over about how useful is it, mm. but it doesn't really sit with. No, and I think that we're, we're in the kind of um, situation where we're looking at all of these different elements of the assessment process and really thinking about in detail how useful is that thing? What value does it have? Because, you know, it, it obviously it should be reliable, it should be valid, and it should have a clear purpose. But if it doesn't have value, i.e., is the time that you spend creating this thing giving you the payoff in, in terms of impact on learning? Particularly now when we know how pressured everything is, yeah. we want to be working a lot smarter, yes. not harder. And exactly. I think that, that's the conversation that we were trying to so uh, the conversation that we had with the participant, and I think I, I was thinking about this, I was thinking, I, I feel like I owe that person that I spoke to at the uh, workshop, I feel like I owe them a little bit of an apology, because we had this really in-depth conversation about success criteria, and it was only after the conversation I went, oh, but if I'd only said that, maybe yeah. it would have been clearer yeah. what I meant, and I feel like this is this is my opportunity to kind of explain what I meant when I said, I don't think success criteria um, is as effective a, a technique, a tool, a strategy as uh, some other things. It was at the end of yeah. two days of full-on conference. I'm going to give my thoughts on that. Yeah. But one of the things that she talked about was um, she talked about success criteria being in, in, in a kind of rubric. So, you know, at, above or below. And they're all narrative descriptors. I mean, if you go back and have a, a listen to episode 20, which seems a long time ago now, of our podcast where we interviewed uh, Daisy Christodoulou yeah. and Noble Markey in comparative judgment, and she, she talks about it in a great yeah. deal more depth than we could, that narrative descriptors require um, teachers or anybody using them, whether that's teachers or pupils or whoever, to make an absolute judgment. Does this do what this says it needs to do? And that's really, really difficult. It's like saying, is someone tall? Without a, you know, a measure to measure them against or something. Exactly. So comparison, you know, is this piece of work better than that piece of work? That's really easy. And, and you know, the no more marking can make that judge. Teachers are able to make those judgments really reliably and accurately in a matter of uh, uh, seconds or, you know, quicker. So narrative descriptors are notoriously uh, difficult to use reliably. So it's in quote unquote, so if we're looking at 
the assessment as a tool. Using success mm -hmm. criteria for assessment is not reliable. So it doesn't really and fulfill. Very, and it's very much what my interpretation of it is. And we yeah. all know what it was like with your level descriptions. What my my understanding of it and your understanding yeah. of it is very different. They could be very, very different things. Yeah. So if we have, let's say for the sake of argument, we have this kind of success criteria that are set out like a rubric and they're designed for um, assessment by the teacher. They're already notoriously unreliable. So maybe not such a great idea in terms of assessment. If you have, as Bruce talks about in his book, as a checklist for uh, the teacher to use to say, have they learned what I intended them to learn? Have they got that? And they are measurable, ideally externally observable. So for example, have they created a diagram that has these three elements in it and have they used this particular phrase? Mm -hmm. Now, if they've done all of those things and tick done, move on. But when you have success criteria saying things like, I can use conjunctions that denote time, that might seem like it's externally observable, measurable, but what you're not saying is how well, or in what context, or to what extent. Mm -hmm. So they might have used one conjunction. Okay. Exactly, they might have used one conjunction to denote time, but they might have missed opportunities to use it elsewhere. And it then becomes a bit of a kind of um, writing by formula. And we were, we were talking to this um, person and they were saying that, well, if that was the success criteria, the expectation would be that the pupil would use that to evaluate their own work and that the people would go back and highlight everywhere that they'd used a conjunction to do time. And instantly I thought, why? Mm. For what purpose? Now highlight, that just seems like an awful lot of work for the pupil as well. You know, it, why, why do they need to highlight it? Why can't they just have a... What, and what, because what you want to see is when they reproduce another piece of work later on, yeah. That those conjunctions are appearing yeah. in in further pieces of work. So, so the the, the point here is, um, what's the value of it? Is it making a difference to learning? Mm -hmm. If all they're doing is highlighting it on that piece of work and say, "Look, prove that I've done it," yeah. but it doesn't change their behaviour, then it's yeah. it's not valid. If it changes their behaviour, great. But but if, if you look at long term situation where they're in an exam situation where they won't have a success criteria yeah. to use yeah. to write that particular essay or that piece of yeah. work if that learning hasn't transferred yeah. into what they're doing then it's not doing the job that you want it to do yeah okay so the, the kind of the the bottom line is are success criteria a reliable method of assessment mm -hmm. because they're narrative descriptors generally they're not are they a effective checklist for teachers to consider uh, what their pupils have learned and whether that's you know full yeah. fulfilled their list yes that's a really good way yeah. for the teacher to to keep a handle on whether the teaching is having the impact it but, needs. but it also goes does it need to be something that's written down in a rubric or can it be something that you know with experience the expert knows yeah when they've got what was being taught. It's... You know, that, that's the thing that I struggle with the whole time. It's the idea that a teacher has to articulate in words and an easily understandable narrative descriptor mm -hmm. that is then delineated between, it's differentiated effectively. Mm -hmm. You know, there's the beginning, middle and top. 
of their class. And that's an awful yeah. lot of work, which might be just for one piece of writing, let's say, if it was in English. So the teacher might spend a lot trying to decide, well, should that bit go in the middle or should that bit be at the bottom or the top or, or what's going on here? Whereas the bottom line is, if they just provided a piece of work that that the pupil could compare with, mm. which is using similar um, strategies, tools, mm. techniques, but maybe in a different context, they can just say, have I used it? as well as that and they can start to have that you know evaluation of well why is that better than mine and what about those people that are doing over and above yeah what the success criteria rubric yeah you well know, it limits we, it does limit it limits the um, opportunities to the pupils so whilst there is a um a value in success criteria for the teacher it might not be the most effective or reliable method of pupils evaluating their own work. Yeah. So if they're evaluating their own work, we want them to be doing it independently, eventually. They'll need some help to do that first. But, you know, maybe um, setting a question of how can you tell that your, your, your um, writing follows a, um, a timeline? And having that discussion about, well, if it follows a time, then, then I'm using conjunctures that denote time. Look, here they all are, but I didn't use one here because of this. So having that kind of, that, um, you know, justification of I've made these choices as opposed to I can highlight the bits where yeah. I've done the, the formula that I've expected to do. But it's not necessarily transferred into the next piece of work. No. And that's what we want. No, and, and what we'd like to say here is that, you know, this is, this is a genuine ongoing discussion that we are having. This is not something that we are... Um, I feel that we've cracked. No, I, and I think this is going to go the same way as it was with inquiry learning, is that we sort of, our thinking around inquiry learning yeah. changed the more we delved into yeah. direct instruction, inquiry, and mm. then we're sitting, we're sitting more in the middle at that point. And I think with success criteria, I think this is something that we're going to explore a little bit more. Yeah. And these are just, you know, our thoughts and our yeah, discussions that we've had so and far if you if you have an alternate opinion or there's something that we've said that you think oh yes but no please do let yeah. us know get in contact yeah. tell us what your your thoughts are yeah. because whilst i'm thinking about you know conversations that i've had with pupils about for example their writing which is where success criteria in english yeah. is used most yeah. often because writing is so subjective and actually Having a checklist for me at the beginning of the lesson saying, well, I want to teach them how to do these things. And then in their writing, I'll expect to see that. But never having this, you know, with pupils, well, just check that you've done these things yeah. because it then does become formulaic. But actually having that discussion of well, why would we use this? Yeah. And have you used it in in terms of, you know, um, what have you used and why? So it's 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 just less... Well, we well, like the well, rubric. Well, it's also that issue of, yes, people saying, yes, I've used it, but they've actually used it in the wrong context, but yes. that's not being picked up. Well, exactly. And I've seen, I have seen so many times, and I'm sure other people have seen as well, that, um, for example, descriptive writing, you say to a pupil, right, in your writing, what I want to see is you've used lots of adjectives, you've been really descriptive, and I want to see that coming through. And then you get, you know, the big, tall, brown, dark... Yes 
um, leafy yeah. tree stood by the and it is it's terribly formulaic yeah. so it's whilst it has value i think it's it's something that we want to be careful about when yeah. we're thinking about pupils peer assessment and self-assessment yeah. that why are we using yeah and you know if we're using success criteria with pupils and we know that narrative descriptors are notoriously difficult to assess against for teachers mm -hmm. but then we're asking pupils who are novices to do something that we know is notoriously difficult it just seems a bit well the expectations yeah. are ridiculously high and of course it's going to be too much of a challenge for some people so what would be a a better alternative than using success criteria well it would be to use worked examples we've talked about worked examples quite a lot over the past particularly in some of the sessions we've been doing with around cognitive science isn't mm. it and this idea of what do we mean by a worked example because mm. there are lots of different versions mm. lots of different types and thinking about when is the most which is the most appropriate to do and i know worked examples and particularly live modeling is something that we've yeah that we've been reckoned it has been recognized as being one of the most effective mm. uh, teaching strategies that you can mm. use with pupils to actually help manage cognitive load of pupils but also to share your thinking and your successes yeah when you're and i'm thinking of work. and i'm thinking that the, you know the whole life modeling is really useful when you're um you know uh modeling the thinking the learning process but when you're thinking about um monitoring your own work and self-evaluation and self-assessment in your own work here's one i made earlier is a really yeah. really useful tool because I, i'm thinking back to um some of the work that i did with um persuasive um speeches and persuasive language mm -hmm. used in speeches and i can remember a class in particular that i said look here are the techniques these are the techniques that I want you to use, you know, things like groups of three, rhetorical questions, all of those things. Write a speech. And they wrote a speech and then didn't use them. Or yeah. they did use them, yeah. they used them too much. And it was then I realised, right, if I provide them with three examples of really... And we look at those examples in those speeches and we pull them apart and we look at them and we discuss them in detail... And then I say, right, I want you to write something similar, but in this context. And then they've written something in that context. I say, okay, so you've already seen it in here. In this, and it, I mean, this is a standard expectation in English is that you go through, you, you read something, you pull it apart, you look at the language, you, you know, see all how it interacts with each other. Then you replicate it in a, in a different context. But then to go back to those original worked examples or here's one I made earlier and say well um have I used that bit that I picked up have I used it better or worse what how does mine work how does that work and actually do that comparison with the elements that might be on the teacher's success criteria yeah. it's also using things what a bad one looks like yeah we've, we've talked about using that a lot of times I think that is much more powerful as, yes. a, as a learning tool yeah. than a, what a good one looks like Absolutely, because when you can see something used really badly, I mean, a, a lovely way to to think about this with um, speech writing is, you know, just just pull apart Donald Trump's speech. I'll have lots of those. You know, it's a it's really bigly, yeah. yes. you know, but but it's pulling apart something that um, 
works but shouldn't it yeah. is really interesting you know pulling apart somebody who gets to the end of a mathematical problem and actually gets the right answer but it's more by luck than yeah. than design yeah. and for pupils to understand the construction that's what you want you don't want pupils just literally ticking things off a list no it's like we're saying so therefore we're getting back to the formulaic yeah you know, it's like the, the the training wheels, isn't it? We don't yeah. we we don't want to have that. We want to be able to take those away, so yeah. people have got those skills to be able to do them themselves without having to refer to checks. Absolutely. And if we're thinking about you know the the process of self evaluation, the process of um, self assessment, of being able to evaluate your own work effectively and say yes, I have done it this way because, and I recognise that it needs to change here. That's such a detailed and complex and um, higher order skill. I mean, as somebody who has written things that then are going on to be sold and has an editor as part of that process, I can't edit my own work. I can give it a go, but I always need somebody else to come in and look at it. So we can't we can't be in a position where the teacher is entirely absent from this. We have to, you know, the self-assessment process has to be fully supported by by the teacher it's not we cannot expect pupils to take on the role of assessment of their own work entirely well we know as teachers how difficult it is yeah. so for, to expect pupils to be able to do that effectively yeah. and accurately sometimes too much. it's an apprenticeship yeah you know they, they shouldn't be flying solo from age five and i think this is one of the things that um you know has been bandied around that I, I know that there are other people who should be set who are saying that well, pupils need to be doing it for themselves. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, for some of the time. But as as adults, we know that even, you know, when you, for example, when you create something, you know, the editing process or the testing it on the market process or, you know, having showing it to people and saying, what do you think process? That's still very much part of it. I mean, um, interesting. I'm going to say something really controversial there. <laughs> We're going to hate me for this. But um, we had a look at some uh, training that is freely available out there that is publicly funded uh, recently. And it is the most shockingly bad piece of training that we have ever seen. It's, you know, somebody somewhere along the line, and this is for teachers now in Wales, somebody somewhere along the line should have said, you don't provide a paragraph of um, text on a slide and then proceed to read it that's such bad practice and if somebody hadn't allowed that person to self-assess they had said actually we need we need an outside yeah, evaluation quality, quality assurance that wouldn't have happened so you know it's it's not good enough to expect that pupils would just do it for themselves self-assessment is a valuable tool in your arsenal but it's not the only part no. of the story no. We never put it out without quality showing each other's and we often, bits that we do. Exactly. And we often, you know, when it's a particularly important piece of work, we will get our advisory board yeah. um, through, you know, yeah, read it through or to have a look at it or we'll give them a free session, say, you know, give us some feedback. In fact, the very first time, remember the very first time we did the assessment workshop, yeah, we did it as an event for just for our advisory board. Yeah. To get yeah. the feedback to make sure we had it right. Yeah, because we recognise... The improvement is not something that happens in a vacuum. It's yeah. not something that you're just provided with a, this is what it should look like, get on with it and do it. That you have to 
test it out and try it out and see whether other people agree with you. Because um, when we're thinking about pupils and thinking about pupils improving, what's the point of having a teacher <laughs> if they're not going to support the, the pupils to understand how to improve it? I think it boils down to this idea of value, isn't it? it if the time that you're spending on writing a detailed rubric or detailed success criteria, if that isn't having the desired impact yeah. in the classroom long term. long term, then I think it needs to be relooked at. Yes. We're not and saying throw them out, but we're just saying relook at them. Yeah. What's the purpose? Why are you using this? You know, is it a really reliable way yeah. of using it? Is it a more efficient way of doing it? Yes. Can you spend less time doing something with greater really? impact? And I think that's that's the kind of that's the conversation that we were trying to have with this person at our workshop is that, you know, whilst success criteria seem like a quick win, actually, when you look down at them, and you think they're, they're notoriously unreliable. Um, there are an awful lot of work for the teacher. They don't tend to give as much impact as a worked example. I and mean, we've got research it, it shows that. more like evidence that peer assessment is taking place rather yes. than the impact that is having. And, and this is, you know, this is a really important point. Why should schools and teachers and pupils feel like they have to show that they have looked at the thing that they've looked at? You know, why isn't it enough to say, um, yes, I've checked that I've used yeah. um, conjunctions and I'm having a conversation with you now to say that I feel that I've used them really, really well. You might not feel like we might have a conversation and then I'll go back and change it. But why do I need to evidence that? It, it smacks a little bit of, evidence. you know, the, the verbal feedback given stamp. Well, the evidence is driving too much of what's going on in the classroom, isn't it? And detracting away from those important conversations that don't necessarily need to be recorded yeah. or shouldn't be recorded, but will move the learning on. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, Curriculum for Wells mm -hmm. is a fantastic opportunity for teachers to look at what they're doing and say, you know, is that of value? If it's not of value, can I stop doing it and do something else better instead? So the, the bottom line is judging the quality of tasks that are designed to demonstrate learning is highly complex. You know, judging whether a piece of writing, for example, subjective piece of writing, is good it's yeah. really really yeah. hard and it, it then becomes a detailed complex discussion about what it is that you want that piece of writing to do what the learner has learned through that and simply highlighting things on a piece of paper is not going to tell you it's what the learner has learned it's it's true discussion because teachers need to see the gaps in learning but learners need to recognize what they're not doing as well and but being able to recognize it yeah you? and and you know the the editing process it is it's horrible having somebody else look at your work yeah. and i you know you've been through because it as well on the, on the negative feedback criticism and criticism yeah. that comes back you don't Painful. focus on the fact that you know i've written questions for the yeah. for, for for a company and it might be that you know 48 of your questions were spot on and great, yeah. but I didn't like these two. Can you yeah. amend those? And those are the two that are going, oh my gosh, what's the matter with those? What's yeah. the matter yeah. with me? But you learn so much through that process of discussion. Well, why are they not as effective yeah. as the yeah. others? What's wrong with that? And I know that way back we did some work for Oxford University Publishing yeah. uh, or Press, I can't remember which one it is, but about press, 
press, okay, about um, curriculum for Wales, and we wrote a, a leaflet. And the editor was not somebody who worked in Wales. So the process of me justifying why this element was really important, and we used to say that actually changed my thinking so much about curriculum for Wales. And I think that's what we should be aiming for for pupils, asking them, have you done these things? If you haven't, justify why you haven't, or justify yeah. why what you've yeah. done is better than what you've seen. Valid, yeah. Absolutely. So pupils need to understand what they're doing in order to progress. It can't just be a tick box approach. It can't just be a best fit to this particular narrative description, this particular success criteria. They have to be of value. And I think going back to uh, Bruce Robertson um, definition, uh, Success criteria relate to the evidence you are looking for to determine if students have learned what you intended, not, is, not just as a tick list for, for pupils to just tick off as they go. And I think if anybody is interested, his book, his third book, that chapter in particular, is well yeah. worth going away and have a look at. You know, and we forgot right at the beginning, we forgot to talk about what we've been doing in the well, last couple of weeks. We that together, what we've been doing and what we're doing. Absolutely. I just want, before we do that, there's a couple of things I just wanted to mention that episode 20 with Daisy Christodoulou is is definitely worth going back and um, having a look at. But um, episode 79, making assessment in curriculum for Wales work and episode 76, our conversation with Bruce Robertson are, are well worth delving into again. So yeah. if you're looking for something on your long dog walk or your your run or your long car journey go and have a look at those those podcasts so we have been very busy recently haven't we jane we have and i, and I just I put it out there today i had my my covid and my flu boosters yesterday so i am feeling just a little bit on a different planet today so <laughs> i just feel myself going a bit croaky today so i know you've got yours this week as well haven't you yeah so that, we've just got that all in the mix of everything else um, well, we did we did two very full assessment progression and accountability events in Merthyr, yeah, very successful two which days, which were exhausting. Yeah. I mean, you know, talking even during the breaks and lunch times because I think people forget that when you do a face to face session, we don't ever turn up. We arrive at like people were there when we arrived, yeah. like half an hour yeah. before we started. They're still there half an hour after you know the session has ended. A very nice lunch. Yeah. I got a special gluten free yeah. box. And we've just finished a large piece of work. I think we talked about this in our last podcast that we were we've been mapping. We're working with GL. Oh, that's mapping right. Their uh, PT series. Of, yeah. Of progress towards uh, English. Progress towards maths. Yeah. And uh, progress science has been done as well, not by us. Yeah. Um, against the curriculum for Wales framework, yeah. which has been quite a long piece of work. Yes. Oh, yes. That's quite. We'll get into that one. But we've been working back in Scotland again, which has been fantastic. Yeah, Stonelaw, Stonelaw, one of our new schools, which is which was interesting, interesting, very interesting. Yep. Uh, and St Mary's Renfrewshire, looking at vision and values of the curriculum yeah. for excellence. Uh, we are still working on assessment and progression with clusters. We've got Cumrimney Cluster, Morriston Primary Cluster, um, St Mary's Church in Wales School. We're doing uh, well. We've been doing the science of learning with a view to using that to underpin action inquiry yeah. or action research it's you know with a you know with the focus on supporting teachers to improve their own practice based on what they actually need so that that's going to be yeah. really interesting and, as we go and i'm heading into the stratosphere 
over the next couple of weeks, which is going to be really interesting, particularly when we talk mm. after we've been talking about success criteria today, because I know it's mm. called piece of coding, and I think that's Ooh. going to be something to do. Oh, you know, that would that, be, be interesting. Really interesting. That would be yeah. interesting. So we've got our advisory board coming up. We've got some meetings with our advisory board in the next week or so, which um, is much needed. We want to yeah, touch base with with everything that we we haven't we we've had contact with with individuals mm. over yeah. over the yeah. bit, which is really, which is great. With, but I think collectively, I think we really just want to get everyone together. It's a shame it's not going to be. You know, everybody, because obviously we've got advisory board members from across Wales and so, Scotland. And Scotland, if we have. Uh, we're obviously recording more podcasts, but I think uh, one of the things that's going to be um, on our agenda for the next couple of weeks, if not longer, is the potential demise of Twitter. Yes. We've had a couple of sleepless, well, not sleepless nights, but conversations about well, what are we going to do. Well, I was thinking about this as well, because it's obviously it's not just us, you know. Teachers are using it in a very, very different way. But, you know, what about all the politics that happens on yeah. on Twitter, all the, the sharing of, um, you know, um, government information that happens on Twitter? Where's that going to go? So I think we're going to just have is to wait and see. That, that's the question, isn't it? Is what is going to happen? Do we know whether well, it's going to go? They are talking about, yeah, I saw something in the press this morning about um, there's another raft of sackings from yeah. Elon Musk. And I think it's not so much... You know, our people are already leaving. Advertisers are already leaving. You know, um, key individuals, Stephen Fry et al, are, are already leaving. But I think the crux is going to come where the platform itself stops working. So it might be one day we just wake up and find that you post something and it doesn't appear, or um, you know, people are liking it and that they, it's not happening. And we will stay in contact. So we'll speak to you soon. Okay. Bye now. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure you don't miss future episodes. You can find us online at www.impact.wales. You can also follow us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Impact Wales. On Facebook and Instagram, search for Impact Wales. And on LinkedIn, search for Impact School Improvement.